Hit well into center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here. Otani with a pinch hit home run. At the plate is Mike Trout. The pitch on its way. It's blasted out to dead center field. Out of here. Ball gets away. He's going to break for the plate. Ball game is over. The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning. This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. Who says the offseason stops? Hello, everybody. My name is Trent Rush. Halo's Hot Stove here on AMA 30. So glad you are with us talking all kinds of Angels baseball. Man, there has been a lot of Angels news of late. Uh, we got a lot to get to here on the show. First, a real treat. I went to Houston, Texas to go hang out with Justin Anderson. Yeah, we met at some little restaurant in Montgomery, Texas, where he's living now, and it was an awesome, awesome time. Had a great chat with Justin. I can't wait to share that with you, so why not waste any more time? Let's do that right now. All right, we're in Houston, Texas right now. I'm hanging with Justin Anderson. Halo's Hot Stove going on the road right now. Uh, Justin, where are we exactly? Because this is, this is a cool town, man. We are in uh, Montgomery, Texas right now at a restaurant, local restaurant called Phil's Ice House, I guess that's what it's called. We just call it Phil's here. <laughs> I'd say the food is great. We're having a good time, getting a chance to just see in the offseason, man. What is, what's the offseason like? Like, What do you do? Well, for the first three weeks, I give myself, you know, I give myself three weeks off with, like, no physical activity, no nothing, and then I tell, tell myself, okay, time to get back into it. I get back into the weight room, make sure I'm moving around well, and then it's pretty much all I've been doing. It's, you know, I go to work out in the morning, work out at 930, and then come home, you know, let the dogs out, do what I got to do around the house, and then kind of just chill right now. I, don't, I haven't really found many hobbies yet because – this is kind of like my first big league offseason, and normally I would have an offseason job. This is where this, this year I'm fortunate enough to where I don't have to have one. What would you do in the past? Well, like, so my very first offseason, I worked at a shoe store. I worked at Finish Line at the Gallery in Houston. Okay. That was a big learning curve. <laughs> and then the pre- previous offseason, I had a situation come up to where I, I didn't, I just couldn't work in the offseason. And then the next offseason was fall league, so got everything got pushed pushed away with that everything was messed up for what i wanted to do in my offseason job but i couldn't so went to the fall league and then came back and just didn't work because by that time i had two months left in the offseason so i just got ready for spring training and then last year i had a desk job i was in we call it was called document control with uh, a company called ref chem my fiance's dad actually is the one who got me the job i was very fortunate for that and just worked there for four days a week, and had I was fortunate enough to have Fridays off after that. So that's what I did last year for the entire off season. There's <laughs> been a lot of firsts for you, man. I yeah. mean, it's been, it just just this whole year, the whirlwind, and I mean, now getting a chance to enjoy this first off season where you're not really having to you know stress too much and find different jobs and all that. I mean, that must be kind of nice. I mean, that that's got to be like such a huge relief for you. It is. It's a, it's a very huge relief. You know, it's a it's a big stepping stone. You know, you grow up really fast. How how my process just everything happens so fast. It's like okay, well, I got to do this, get this. You know, it's almost like they say when you get to pro ball, you got to grow up real quick. Well, it was like when I got 
to the big leagues, I had to grow up like extra quick. All of a sudden, it was like I had, everything just like boom shot up on you. You know, you, you learn you learn from other watching other guys. It's a huge learning curve, but I mean, it's it was been a blast. I want to talk about that because like that that to me was fun to watch. I mean, a, a lot was made of that first outing that you had in your hometown in Houston. I, I'm gonna get to that in a second, but I mean, just big picture. When you're going through everything you've been through, you know, college ball here in Texas and trying to find a way to get to the big leagues, coming into the year in double A where you started, and then all of a sudden, like less than a month into the season, you're in the major leagues and then you stay in the major leagues. Like, how do you even describe what your 2018 season was like? Well, yeah, so you know, you break spring training, you know, going into double A thinking, okay, you know, this is, this might be it, you know, I might either make it or this might be the season where they they say I'm done and you know God's got other plans but it ha- the way it happened was you know definitely incredible and you know the fact that I went up there and I stayed every day was almost like you're walking on eggshells a little bit just because you cut you see it you see the taxi squad guys coming in and out and it's almost like I don't know the right word for it but you see it and you're like oh I hope that's not me or something like that you know I was fortunate enough to Thank you. I talked to Keenan Middleton a lot, of, like quite a bit about it. He said the same thing. It's like you walk on eggshells every day just because you don't know what the heck's going to happen. So I mean, there were days, there were plenty of days where it was like that, and there were other days like, okay, I'm here, I'll be there tomorrow too, and so on and so forth. But I don't know when it maybe finally clicked with me that I was cemented in there for a little bit. I don't know if it ever actually did, but you know, I kept the same mindset that I did every day: go out there when they call me to pitch, and go out there and try to not let anyone score. When you're going into camp. And by the way, not in big league camp. You're mm-hmm. in minor league camp with the yeah. Angels this spring, uh-huh. and thinking, is this going to be it? Like, how do you process that? Like, how how does that thought process work when you're basically fighting for your dream and in, in like, and now it's down to the wire? Yeah. No, I mean going into spring training, like I knew I was I was going there early, and they told me I was going to be able to back up some of the big league games like I did the year before. So I was already mentally prepared got my feet wet doing it so this next go around was just really nothing new for me it was just gonna keep doing what I was doing so I approached every like spring training game you know like like I have in the other game go in get out and get as fast as you can really that's kind of like how I think about everything when I throw you know do what you can get out of there as fast as you can so I mean I feel like just going through that whole process and then trying to transition into the season I think was a big help when you say walking on eggshells kind of all year, just trying to figure the whole deal out and if you're going to stay and how long you're going to be there and that whole thing, like, do you think it makes you better? It can make you better, I think, definitely. I think it has a positive impact because when, you know, it, it's a motivation thing, too, for yourself. It self-motivates you to make your tell yourself, you know, no, you're, 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 well, on, you're well good enough to be here and stay here. You know, you tell yourself that, and so it almost that almost kind of – gets rid of that eggshell thought for you. So I think when I there were times where I would think about that, like, no, I'm good enough to be here. I can do this. I can make this my career and, you know, live happily. So, I mean, that's what I would try to tell myself. Do you have the same thought process about the, that kind of confidence in the clubhouse as you do when you're on the mound? I mean, we see it on the mound. We know you're a confident dude on the mound. Uh, but I know thoughts can creep in there. And is that something that, like, you know, when you're pitching, is that all going to get blocked out? It does get blocked out, absolutely. You know, but there are times too. Like I'll be throwing, and something happens. The next thing I know, I'm asking myself on the mound, you know, what the heck did I just get myself into right now? Yeah. And then you have to be able to dig deep and tell yourself you're good enough to get yourself out of the situation. Definitely. 
let's talk about that first day, your first game in Houston, when you came in in that situation and pitched the way you did and having your whole, all your friends and family here. I know people have talked to you a lot about this, but, I mean, what was that day like? That The day itself, you know, that day when, you know, waking up that morning, I'm like, well, I'm here, I'm in a, I'm in a really nice hotel, I'm in my own city I'm not really I wasn't super familiar with downtown I never just randomly would go downtown but I was fortunate enough you know my mom worked down works downtown and uh, I was like where's the McDonald's at so I, she told me where it was in the tunnel system downstairs so me and my fiance woke up that morning went and had breakfast at McDonald's you know to me it was just a normal day it's what I you know there's some stuff I would do I would like I'm gonna get McDonald's today so that's what I went and did and then was on, was on time for the bus you know showing up to the stadium it was like almost overwhelming a little bit you're like wow this is really it walking through the tunnels i remember it turning here turn there you know getting the clubhouse and i was like oh wow this is a really big you know visiting clubhouse you go in some somewhere and it's big you know whatever i was like wow this is pretty dang big and i go i'm like bathrooms are bigger dugouts are bigger and then you get outside the stadium and you see it you're like wow this is this is it you know but it wasn't like the stadium part to me wasn't the like overwhelming part of it. It was like, oh, you know, you were kind, of, you feel like you're ready for it, and then you know, your name gets called, torn up, heart starts really beating, you know, it's, it's loud, and the, especially in the Astros bullpen, the visiting bullpen, it's it's really loud because it's enclosed. So when you're warming up, it feels like you're throwing a million as opposed to whatever it is that day. So you know that part will juice you up a little bit too. And I went in the game, and all I heard was like my my people that were there for me my friends my family they're all in their little section that, that's all i heard you know no one in that stadium knows who justin anderson is no one there from houston besides those people knew and to me that was all that mattered in that moment i could hear them jogging in and then they got there and so she gave me the ball and we went through the real quick rundown and i was like all right now it's time and you know after after he left i did more more pitches i was like all right it's another game get three outs here we go how hard is that to do because, I mean, I, I, I just think about, I mean, and I've had opportunities just like in my own career. Of, I, I remember the first time I got to fill in and, and be a part of the, you know, the Angels radio broadcast and do that. And I, I, was, I remember not being overly nervous. I, it was just kind of what I do. But at the same time, it's, oh, wow, it's a major league game. Uh, how hard is it to, like, not let that creep into your mind? And if it does, like, is it even a big deal? You just, you just I mean, obviously it worked out all right for you. Yeah, so, like, that's what I tell people, like, you know, how was it making your debut? And I was like, well, it wasn't. My, I told people it wasn't my debut, you know, that was really, like, not, I guess, a high-tension situation. It was really the next day. You know, I put myself in a pretty high high spot the first time, you know. I ended up getting first and first and third with two outs with uh, Correa at the plate. I was like, okay, well, this, this can either go really good or it can go really south real quick. Fortunately, it went north on me. It was really good. But, you know, the next time is what was crazy. It was came, this, came in the game. It was two-run game again, we're up 8-6, one out. I'm like, all right, I'm coming in with bases, you know, runners on base. They have to stay there. You know, that's what I was telling myself. I think I walked the first guy or whatever, and then Marwin Marwin got a hit, and I went to go back up home, and that was the first time I, like, heard like heard a run be scored in that stadium. You know, the roof was open, so it wasn't nearly as loud as I guess it normally is. Excuse me, but I'm backing up home. Like, I'm hearing the fans, and I'm hearing them yell, like, welcome to Houston. I'm like, oh, wow, this is it. You know, like, I ran so far back, I hit myself up against the finish because I was like, got to be somewhere. So you're telling yourself, you know, you got back somewhere. Be somewhere. 
So I got there and I was like, okay, this is it. And then, you know, I ended up getting out of that inning, getting us out of it, and we were still up 8-7, so I was fortunate for that. I know Justin Anderson, the pitcher. I know the heat. I know the slider. I know the outs you get and the job you did this past year. It was fun to watch, man. But I want to know Justin Anderson, the guy. I want to know Justin Anderson, the dude. Because I see I mean, here we are hanging out at Phil's right now, just casual place here in your hometown. And, you know, being – I don't want to say you're a normal guy because you throw so hard and your stuff is nasty, but I, I think that you can connect with fans in a pretty unique way just because you are pretty down-to-earth and you just want to hang out and you know, getting a chance to be a part of the ride. Like, How would you describe being a major leaguer? And like, do you, has, has it changed you in any way, do you feel? I don't think it's changed anything I've done. You know, Sometimes I see them like, wait, i got to do this or i got to do that, but it's like, to me, everything's still the same. I, I haven't changed how I work out. I haven't changed my thought process while I'm working out. I've done the same diet I've done the past two, two years. You know, it's just little things like that. You know, there's, there's some things you don't need to change other than, like, I guess, making sure you're, you stay a little more low profile, I guess. You know, you watch what you say a little bit more. You, watch, you definitely watch the things that you do because there's always people watching. And whether – whether it's a little kid that sees it or a grown adult, and then next thing you know, they, they actually do know who you are, and they call you out, and it can get blown up, whether it be a good blown up or a, a bad blow up. You know, I just I still try to just stay low profile. I've always been pretty just low key. I don't really go out of my way to pr- promote myself. I don't I don't think I should promote myself. You know, really, I think if someone wants to talk about you, let them talk about you. You know, there's really no don't talk about yourself. You know, I feel like. If you want to be great, others will talk about you and let let you know that you're great. Now, that's kind of how I see it. I don't. I'm not all about like. I guess. Yeah, I'm just not about like posting about yourself or talking about yourself all the time. You know, I feel like people want to, want to know who you are or whatever. They'll talk about how great you are, and that's what you got to earn. You have to earn that respect and that right to be able to do that. You know, it's like some of the guys in the clubhouse. You got Trout and Pulhos, like. Those guys are great. People tell them they're great. You know, I'm sure they tell themselves they're great, absolutely, but it, it's it's not a sense of arrogance, I don't think. Who's your favorite player growing up? Growing up, favorite player all time. All time player I could just watch on TV. I'm trying to think. Oh, Did I tell you mine? Yeah, I got it. Oh, I got one. I'm, I'm a Roger Clemens guy. Okay. He was my all-time favorite pitcher growing up. That was my, yeah, he was my favorite pitcher, no doubt, growing up. Definitely just the power stuff. I didn't know what a splitter was, and then I watch videos now of him throwing a splitter. That thing was disgusting, but I got it now. Favorite player was Chipper Jones. I loved watching Chipper play. I played third you know, as a kid growing up, so it kind of just felt at home with me. You know, He was left-handed, too. I was a left-handed hitter. So I mean, I thought that tra- I thought that comparison for me as a kid was awesome, and he, I thought he was a great role model for me. You know, I think he's still a great role model for kids today. Was it hard for you to put down the bat and say, "Hey, I'm just gonna be a pitcher now"? <laughs> I say that a lot. I joke about it a lot. I'm like, if I get an AB, you're gonna know I'm swinging and I'm it's coming. I'm not doing farting around trying to bunt for people. You know, I'm trying to put on a show for myself at that moment and for everyone else to see whether it goes really good or it goes really bad. I gave it my all for those those three strikes at least, but putting the bat down and watching some of these other guys throw down, I'm perfectly okay with being the one on the on the throwing end of it instead of the receiving end of trying to time that up and try to hit. That's something I'm out on for sure now. <laughs> uh, you don't see a whole lot of American League relievers hit too often. That just doesn't happen. 
It's <laughs> it, it don't happen, but you know, if, if if the opportunity presented itself, I'm telling you, you're gonna know I'm not getting cheated. <laughs> it's a good time to be a reliever in baseball right now. Just the way things are going, and uh, there have been a lot of changes. I mean, we saw it really on display in the World Series this past year. But I mean, for you as somebody that I mean, you kind of seem like, hey, I'm just gonna do whatever kind of thing. And obviously, your stuff is good. I would imagine. Ultimately, you want to be closing games at the at, at the end. But like, do you have a preference on when you come in? Does it matter at all to you the situation and, and what that's all about? Does it make a difference to you? It really doesn't make that much of a difference. No, I mean I do like throwing later in the games. I mean, who doesn't want to throw you know later in the game when the game's on the line? But you know, as far as like closing goes, it's it's. It's there if it's there. If it's not, you know, it's not. I'm not going to sit there and say, like, I, I need to be closing or I deserve to close. It's, for me, it's never been about that. I don't think it, for me, don't, I don't think it'll ever reach that point. You know, maybe later in my career, maybe one day I'm like, I, this is my job, you know. But for now, I'm, I would love, you know, I enjoy throwing later in the games. And, then, you know, I think it'd be fun to be later in the game than hand the ball over to Key, you know. I love watching him throw. I mean, for me, I think that's a, that'd be a cool little step stone. You know, you get... You get me or him going in there. I think that's fun, fun to watch. I mean, as somebody that grew up in Southern California, watching you know K Rod get it to Percy in the two thousands. I mean, yeah. that was that was awesome. And seeing, you, I mean, you bring up Keenan. We had him on the show a couple weeks ago, and it was it was just fun talking to him because one, he's just a cool guy, and he's just fun to talk to. But secondly, it's like you can kind of see that there are really good, promising stud arms in this system, and that must be for you. That's something pretty cool to be a part of with this young movement of guys that are coming through this Angel system. I know that the pitching numbers as a team last year weren't what you wanted them to be, but to kind of see that there are guys on the rise, like how exciting is that for you? You know, it's very exciting seeing the other guys come up and make their debut. See, like when Jake Jewell came, me and Jake you know, have lived together for the past two years, and you know, watching him come up, it was unbelievable. I was so happy for him to see that in person, and then. You know, unfortunately, I had to see his season end the way it did, which was absolutely miserable. You know, he was you know, he was about to get out of the situation that he, he was in in Boston. The way that ended for him was unfortunate. And, you know, we trade for Buttery and uh, Therese. Watching those two come over, it's like, holy cow, you know, we got these other big arms, too, that also, you know, throw just as hard as I do. I'm like, you know, you got to watch out. You know, guys are always trying to take your job still. But, I mean, it's, it's so much fun watching those guys throw, too. You know, just like I, I love watching all of us. We're all different. We're all unique in different ways. We all have different things. Like watching, I look, one of the things I like to do is like when Cam throws like one of those just you know fastballs right by you, and they just sit there and freeze on it. It's like you just took that and he does that. You know, he's done that a lot. You know, and it's like with Parker when Park play Parker throws that split. It's like oh my gosh, that thing's that thing's really good pitch. And watching you know Noe just paint like he does and throw these sliders and these backdoor sinkers, it's, it's unbelievable and. You know, Hosey and Robles, those guys, they're unbelievable too. So, I mean, I love watching all of us throw. It's so much fun. How do you deal with the struggles? Because I know those happen too. It's a that's natural, of course, of a baseball season. And while your season's really good, I know that there were times where things didn't go your way. Yeah. How do you, how do you deal with that? You know, as far as that goes, it's when you have a struggle, you got to be able to find a way, you know, mentally to just say, you know, it happens. You're, you're a human being. You know, you're going to make mistakes. And some, for, for me personally, what I would do is, like, you know, I have a I struggle a little bit. And then I'm watching TV in the clubhouse or whatever, and I see, like, you see, like, a big big name guy, you know, like Kimberl or Chapman or I guess you can't say Trini, but the guy had an unbelievable year this year. <laughs> he did. 
or you maybe see like Edwin Diaz, like they have one game that's just a rock, like off the rock for them, like it's not good. And you see them like, oh, these guys make mistakes too. These are, you know, some of the three best closers that are in the game right now. You know, I see them make mistakes. I'm like, they're making mistakes. Oh, I can, I'm okay. I'll be okay. If I see these guys make mistakes, I can do this too. You know, learn. That's where I learn. You know, learn to not slip up as much. You know, those guys rarely miss, and that's that's what makes them so great. Who they are, they they barely miss. How much does watching those guys combined with this era now where being a relief pitcher is so valuable more than ever before in the history of this game how much does that drive you to being one of you know i would imagine i think pretty high aspirations for what you want to do what what are kind of goals that you have for your career and how much do those guys push you it's it's definitely cool to see all these guys that are coming in the late innings like that and the stuff you see their stuff it's it's almost kind of scary what they can do with a baseball you know that's what some of my friends always say, like, the stuff that you'll do with the baseball just drives us insane. I mean, it is. It's incredible. Like, sometimes I can't explain some of the things we do with it. Like, even the things when I watch them, watch these other guys throw, I'm like, what are they doing to, like, get that movement or just throw it that hard? You know, I think I want to I, – I do aspire to be some of these guys, you know, have lengthy careers like they do. And, you know, some of these guys are just still in their prime. They're still young. They're going to keep playing for another, I don't know, five, six, seven years, whatever it may be. You know, I want to be able to get to that point and then say, I still have five or six, seven years left. I want to keep doing that, you know. So I think that's what I look at the most is see how dominant they are now and how dominant they can, they probably will be at the end of their career. I think that's what I aspire the most. So for as many changes as you've experienced this past year, it's almost like this next year there's going to be more. Yeah. New manager, Brian Osmus, mm-hmm. you're going to be in Major League Camp. Have you had a chance to connect with uh, Osmus at all, and, and what's he like? I mean, I've talked to him a few times. talked to him once on in Houston on a getaway day. We were just sitting there eating, just real chill conversation. You know, he's a great guy to talk to. And then he called me the other day, had a great conversation. You know, he was driving back home to San Diego. But, I mean, it was just chill conversation. He's he's over the moon excited. You know, I am too. So I mean, any the Doug Mar or the new pitching coach just called me, yeah. Doug, and I mean he talked about him. I thought the conversation I had with Doug Doug White was great too. But I'm looking forward to next year for sure. But I mean, as a guy, as a kid growing up in Houston, Brad Osmus probably means something more to you. Watching basically his whole career here. Yeah, definitely. You know, you watch, you know, I don't know how many gold gloves he had won, but that was that was one of the things that was cool to watch is his catching ability behind the plate was really, really, really good. And then, you know, we were talking earlier about the home run that he hit and the AL or NLDS, excuse me, NL at the time that he hit in that uh, game and the 18 inning game. It was, you know, that's one of the moments that I remember the most as a kid that he hit to dead center. So, I mean, definitely seeing that as a play on, as a kid and then he was a player and then now he's my manager. It's kind of just the smallest of small worlds. It's pretty cool. It's uh, fun to watch you. It's been fun watching this first year and the beginning of this journey for Justin Anderson because uh, it has been, uh, it's been, it's been not just fun to watch but also encouraging, I think, to a lot of people, especially young guys coming up. If, if you could give advice to somebody that is probably going to break camp in double A and they're trying to get to the major leagues knowing how quickly it happened for you what advice would you give to those kind of guys I mean I think the first thing you know you say like I guess just look at this guy you know look at me I mean I he was in double A and then next thing you knew he was in he was there in the big leagues you know I think that's one thing that guys can look at it could happen to, it could be anybody you know it happened guys last year and I saw it happen I was there 
it happened, you know, part, when we traded for Parker Redwell from the Orioles, you know, he was there in double A with us for maybe like two weeks or whatever it was. And then Eduardo Paredes was, you know, the same situation. He started the NAA and he was there. So, I mean, it, it does happen. It could, it could be you at any given point. You know, you just, as long as I think you keep your faith, you trust the process, believe in what, you know, they have laid out for you, I definitely think anybody can do it. You just have to be willing to put in the extra work on the side to do it. Justin, thanks for having me, man. I, thanks for showing me your hometown. This is really cool, dude. Thanks. No problem, Trent. Thank you. Justin was great. Appreciate the hospitality, hanging out down there near Houston. By the way, Montgomery, Texas, they claim to be the birthplace for the Texas flag. So there's a fun fact about Montgomery. I'm really looking forward to what Justin Anderson can bring to this Angels bullpen. When the Angels are spending this offseason trying to add weapons, add pieces, he mentioned guys like Jerez and Buttry that have come on and been a big part of this. And, you know, Justin Anderson, such a promising young arm and somebody that was really fun to watch when he made that day in Houston, in his hometown, and I mean to go after the guys that he went after and shut down Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa and have that kind of experience. I mean to take on the reigning World Series champs in your hometown. There's a lot that goes into that, and Justin handled it so well and had a really good season for the Angels. And you know the sky's the limit, I think, for what Justin Anderson can bring to this Angels bullpen. When it comes to what Billy Epler should be shopping for at the winter meetings, though, I think he hasn't been you know quiet at all about the fact that. The Angels need pitching, and especially uh, they need starting pitching, they need relief pitching, they need everything. And when you look at some of the numbers from last year, I mean, the fact that the Angels were 19th in starter ERA, 4.34, they were 18th in quality starts, next to last in starter innings. And on top of that, Tampa Bay was the team that was actually last in starter innings. So it was almost, you know, the Angels basically were at the very bottom, it, even, you know, there were so many injuries. I mean, so many guys were banged up last year. But on top of that, you also were seeing guys that even went healthy not going that deep into games. Angels need more from their starters. And if you're putting your bullpen in those kind of stressful situations all the time, well, their numbers aren't going to be great either. And, you know, the Angels' bullpen runs a lot of game. That was 18th in all of baseball. Actually, actually, for that, for 4.46 runs per game allowed, you know, for them to be 18th when they were 29th in starter length, uh, that's pretty good. That could have been a lot worse. And the Angels' bullpen actually, I, I think, exceeded what could have been expected. But save percentage, only 57% of saves were converted. Uh, 27th in baseball. Inherited score percentage, 25% of guys on base. When, when a player came in, a new pitcher came in, 25% of those guys on base came around to score. That's not good. That was 27th in baseball. The Halos had added a couple of arms. I know Dylan Peters is one that they got from the Marlins that a lot of people seem high on. I get it. His big league number. Numbers have been great. Really small sample size. I think he only has like 10 major league starts. But Dylan Peters is somebody that the Angels are optimistic can be pretty good. Austin Bryce is another guy that they brought in. Then there's the guys internally. Jose Suarez, uh, Griffin Canning. You're hoping that these guys can get to the major league level in 2019 and pan out and be important. But on top of that, you just need to be able to bring in other arms, other pieces, and guys that can help this team win now. When you have a guy like Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and Justin Upton, and you have a window 
a championship window with a core of stars, you got to be able to capitalize. And I know that is on the forefront of what the Angels are trying to do. And believe me, you know this organization, they want to win as bad as anybody, and they are doing all they can to do that. I personally have a lot of faith in Billy Epler. i got a lot of faith in Angels owner Artie Mar- I'm optimistic about what this team is going to do this offseason. A very important offseason that's off to a good start. I get it. Most of the moves they've made so far have been a little quieter. They've been more on the minor side, uh, but they are making moves, and I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to the big one uh, coming through pretty soon. Another thing that I think the Angels haven't really talked about, or at least Angels fans haven't really talked about, but I think it's a need, is finding a leadoff man. How about this? Mike Trout last year, it's 39 bombs, OPS 1.088. That's insane, by the way. OPS over 1,000. But he only drove in 79 runs. That's not Mike Trout's fault. That, that's because guys aren't getting on base for him. And when you look at who are the current leadoff options for the Halos, like Zach Cozart, he only had a 296 on base percentage last year. Of course, he was banged up for most of it, but in his career, it's only 304. So I don't really see Zach Cozart as being a leadoff guy. I, I, I like Cozart more in that, you know, five, six, seven spot in your lineup. Uh, you know, probably more six or seven, but Zach Cozart, I mean, he was an all-star in 2017. If Cole Calhoun can be in 2019 what he was in July and August in 2018, I mean, there's your leadoff guy right there. Uh, but his full season on base percentage ends up only being 283 because the first two months were abysmal, and he wasn't very good in September either. And Cole would be the first one to tell you. Calhoun struggled in the month of September, but in his career... 322 on base percentage. It's all right. You'll take that. I know David Fletcher's a name that a lot of people are high on. Uh, you know, David Fletcher's on base percentage last year, 316. That's serviceable, not ideal. Andleton Simmons is the guy that you really want it to be. I mean, the fact that Andleton Simmons had a 337 on base percentage, how great would it be for Simba to be able to hit in front of Mike Trout? The problem is, Andleton Simmons, for whatever reason, is not comfortable at the top of the lineup. And, uh, you know, he's. You know, in his career, 263 on base percentage as a leadoff man. He only hit in the leadoff spot one game last year. Ends up going 0 for 3. Um, and uh, had an on base percentage of 301, even batting in the two spot in 2018. So, first or second place that Andleton Simmons hasn't been totally comfortable. I'll be curious to see what kind of role Luis Rangifo is going to have. How about this? 405 career on base in minor leagues. See how that translates to the major league level. The Angels are very high on Rangifo. Uh, this is who the Halos got from Tampa in the uh, CJ Crone trade, by the way. Interestingly enough, Tampa got rid of CJ Crone. I don't know why, um, but they did, and that's a that's a good power bat. But I guess uh, that trade won by Epler and the Angels. Uh, Rangifo could have a big role at the major league level for the Halos this coming season. Some other minor moves, by the way, that I mean could potentially be leadoff options. I know Peter Borges hasn't put up great numbers in his career. Halos did get him back, signed him to a minor league deal. They also made a trade at the end of last week for Tommy LaStella from the Cubs. Mostly a pinch hit guy, uh, middle infielder that is probably going to contend for a utility role with David Fletcher. I don't know if Lestella is going to be a starter. He might. We'll have to see how it shakes out. But you know, that, that's another really good baseball player that the Angels have brought in. The third thing that is on my wish list for Billy Epler at the winter meetings, though, is trying to find some infield power. And Albert Pujols is going to have to play a lot of first base. I don't know how much Albert Pujols is going to be able to play first base. I do know this. The Angels cannot afford to DH Albert because when you DH Albert, that's taking Otani's bat out of the lineup. 
Halos cannot afford for Shohei Otani to not be hitting. So I'm sure, especially against lefties, I'm sure we'll see Otani get some days off, and Albert's going to hit there. But, I mean, Otani's probably going to hit in like 140 games next year. And that, those are all, all going to be DHs. So how much time does that leave for Albert to DH? Well, that's 22 games maybe. And then he's going to have to play a lot of first base. So who can the Angels bring in to help split the load? Because I don't know that Albert's body at this point physically can go through a whole season at first base. He came in best shape of his life last year. Man, I was pumped on how Albert came into spring training last year. He was feeling good. He was moving so well. I was blown away. And even still, he was dealing with injuries basically all season long. Albert Bull is a great player, one of the best to ever hold a baseball bat to ever step into the batter's box. I mean, Albert Bulls is an all-time great, but Father Time is undefeated. And for Albert, his 2018 was not great. 245 batting average, 19 homers, only 64 RBI. His OPS was up a little bit, 700. Only played 117 games. But for Albert, yeah, he did have a little bit better average than the year before, a little bit, um, you know, at bats per home run, a little bit better in 2018, but the RBI numbers way down. The Angels got to find a way to get at least one big power bat in the infield. Now, preferably, it would be a left-handed bat. Um, but, I mean, when you consider that Pujols, Fletcher, Simmons, and Cozart, those four guys who right now, if the season started today, those are probably uh, your four starters in the infield. They combined for 36 home runs last year. That's not getting the job done. The Angels got to try to get more power uh, from some of those positions. But anyway, uh, that's you know the shopping list that if I was able to, if, if Billy asked me, hey, I'm, I'm running out for milk, what do you want me to get while I'm out? Uh, that's uh, the list that I would give Billy up for. Also, I think the Angels got to get a catcher as well. Kevin Smith has some uh, you know prospects, and, and he's a guy that could be an interesting player. And uh you know, small sample size, the major league level, a little bit on the older side, but he's somebody that can uh, certainly help that position. But, uh, yeah, the Angels need catching help on top of all of this. Let's get to some tweets right now while we still have a couple of minutes to continue our conversation all about Angels baseball, the winter meetings coming up in just a little bit. Jason Newman at Triple H2413 says, Angels got to go all in on pitching this. Trent, I feel Evaldi is a perfect fit. What do you think? Don't think we can afford Patrick Corbin. So Patrick Corbin is going to get massive money. And it seems like it's like a done deal. He's going to the Yankees. And I think it would be interesting if the Angels were to look into Patrick Corbin. I'm sure they will. I'm sure Billy Epler is going to do his due diligence. And if it's a number that can make sense... I think the Angels would be in on that. It's kind of funny. Like The Angels are not a small market team. And you think about the, the big contracts, the big moves that you know Artie Moreno has made. Gosh, from Vlad Guerrero to Bartolo Colon to Albert Pujols to, I know, dare I say the name, Josh Hamilton. But at the time, that was a really big signing. C.J. Wilson was, too. Like At the time, that was you know really going out and going to get a big-name dude. And that... You know, it should have worked. I, there's nobody that would have disagreed at the time. Or, or maybe, you know, some people, of course, hindsight now, there's always going to be naysayers. But at the time, that was that was a big move for an owner to go out and not be afraid to spend money to go uh, get, you know, a, a big time, the best free agent on the market. And right now, Patrick Corbin is the best free agent pitcher that is on the market, especially a lefty. And I do think the Angels are going to inquire. I, I think the Angels are not going to shy away from the money. I, I just 
think that the Yankees are going to offer something that is just so, so big. I just don't see the Yankees letting go of Patrick Corbin. So to say that we can afford Patrick Corbin, I I don't know if that's totally true, but I do kind of get your point there. Uh, As far as Evaldi, I think Evaldi's a great pitcher. And we all saw what he did in October and what he meant to the Red Sox in the World Series. The two Tommy Johns concerns me a little bit. I get it. Guys recover better than they ever have before from Tommy John surgery, and there are a lot of guys that have had it and come back and pitched just fine. Uh, but the, having two of them is a little bit uh, of a concern for sure for me, and I think that it would be, um, you know, he's a great pitcher, and if he could stay healthy, he'd be awesome. And there's going to be a team that's going to spend big to go get uh, Nathan Evaldi and they're going to be happy when they do because that guy can pitch and he shows up in the big time moments. And um, I don't know if the Angels are going to be that team. And if he had a clean arm, like if he had a clean bill of health historically, then I'd say absolutely. But you know, the the previous procedures do have me a little bit hesitant. I mean, I'm understandably gun shy, right? I know you guys are too. After everything that this pitching staff has been through and all the Tommy Johns that we have seen with this staff. I think there's a reason to be uh, a little apprehensive there. And I think I am a little bit just hearing TJ. Those those initials get me a little bit nervous just because of everything that this organization has been through, especially the last two, three years. Here's this from Jarrett at HaloFan25. Trent, would love if Garrett Richards joined your hot stove show sometime for one more interview. Going to miss him as an angel. G. Rich was great. G. Rich meant a ton to this organization. We talked about it earlier, and you just kind of kept waiting for Garrett Richards to be that dominant ace, and we know he got the stuff, and just he has just been so banged up and injury after injury. And, you know, good for San Diego. They're not going to get to use him this year, but then they'll have him in 2020, and we'll, we'll see what happens with Garrett Richards from there. But, you know, good luck to Garrett uh, down the five in San Diego. We wish him all the best. As far as getting him on the show, I mean, if you want to have him on the show, I'll reach out to Garrett. And that's that's no problem. I, I can reach out to him. Um, you know, we'll see how it goes. Usually we like to have current Angels players on this show, but you know what? And Garrett has meant a lot to Angels baseball, so I think we could put some feelers out there and see what he's up to. Um, why not? That might be kind of fun. Uh, I appreciate everybody sending tweets in and uh, getting on Twitter. Hashtag uh, Halo's Hot Stove. I almost said Angels Recap. Thanks to all of you for following me on Twitter at Trent Rush Sports and for listening to this show. We have a really exciting December coming up of great, great content uh, that is to come. Uh, by the way, uh, at the cannery in Newport, they do a hot stove dinner. You can call the cannery, try to get tickets. I know Joe Madden is supposed to speak next week. So if you want to see Joe Madden, uh, you better get on that. I heard tickets are uh, going very, very fast. So if you want to get to that, uh, try to give him a call. I don't know what kind of availability is left, but I do encourage you. I'm going to try to get there to go chat with Joe and hopefully have that conversation for you uh, here. Again, no promises there. Still a lot to be sorted out. That's kind of what happens in the off season. That's okay. We're gonna get it all together and uh, you know keep putting out great shows for you. Of course, we got our big show coming up on the thirteenth uh, of December from Vegas from the winter meetings. All kinds of recap reaction. We're gonna hear from all the major players. Uh, that is still to come on Halo's hot stuff here before the end of the year and then uh, January, February, leading into spring training. Uh, we're really gonna hit it hard, diving into what this team needs to do uh, to have a great. 2019 season and to build on some of the successes of last year and correct uh, some of the places where the Halos did fall short. And really, the bar is set high. Anything short of the postseason is a failure at this point. And under new leadership, 
As manager and brand awesomeness, the Angels are very optimistic on what is to come in the future. Again, my name is Trent Rush. Thanks to all of you for tuning into the program. Looking forward to talking to you next week. If you ever miss an episode or just want to listen again, check out the podcast, angels.com slash podcast. Take care, everybody.